Welcome back to the Warriors podcast. We did not get to finish our conversation yesterday on deliverance because I think the most loaded topic when it comes to that organization, we could talk about deliverance for days and days and days, and here we are day two together and we're continuing this conversation. We are going to do our best to wrap this up today. It's just really important to add on this piece of the conversation. I think what, what we wanna discuss about deliverance today is mental health and combining the practical and the spiritual. I think that is, it's something that people get mixed up quite a bit. And in the church, when especially when you believe in inner healing, which absolutely is a tool that can be good and right and healthy, but when, when you go, when you swing too far to one side, it becomes really unhealthy and it can create detrimental, uh, life-altering situations. And we've encountered that ourselves. We've had to wrestle through that mental health piece ourselves, but then we also know people who have been placed in incredibly unfortunate, life-altering situations and they have not recovered. So I wanna touch on that today. Yesterday we wrapped up with you, Hannah. A little bit about your story. You you evaded a lot of the uh, deliverance. However, you were definitely in the mix. But you were you said something earlier about mental health that I thought was really good. So can you repeat that for listeners? Yeah. Yeah. So as I was thinking about it more, um, my involvement with these deliverances was not as formal it was more more of the spontaneous ones that would happen kind of just out in the open and they would involve everyone which is also kind of a bizarre thing because it's kind of anyone from any background you know it's not just leaders so i just remember those specifically those spontaneous ones were a lot more chaotic i would say i mean i i've in my experience all of the ones that i witnessed were pretty aggressive in my um, you point, like you did say yesterday, some people were really gentle and, you know, yeah. a hand on their knee or whatever. And some people just had a gentle spirit, but it just became this hyped thing that just grew and grew, you know. I was remembering these experiences where it just didn't even set well with me at the time, just seeing how, honestly, I feel like it was re-traumatizing people when... The intent for deliverance is supposed to be to help someone heal and be renewed and in this situation in a lot of situations I didn't see that renewal sometimes it was maybe a little bit maybe they got a little bit better you know but as we said yesterday it often was left on a oh well we didn't get it all we gotta come back to this you know it's another point I think the hype of it all you know just the intensity intensity of it when i saw these people going through this we were again very vulnerable young adults most of us in our early to mid-20s and i just remember witnessing people just bawling their eyes out you know just in this the most vulnerable state you can be in where you're confessing your sins of i'm i i wish i wasn't this way you know Um, i wish this was never my identity. I I wish I didn't ever struggle with this. I wish this never happened to me. And some of these things are beyond their, like some of these things, yeah, you know, a lot of it was trauma that had happened to people. And this was them just, you know, regurgitating it all and reliving it all in the moment, often Mm -hmm. with a lot of strangers, you know, people that should have been safe 
And so I just remember, you know, seeing people in these states where they were, I mean, it was like a therapy session of that, that state of vulnerability where you're bearing it all. And again, I just feel like it was, it felt at the end like it was re-traumatizing people because of the state that they were left in of, oh, well, we couldn't really fix this about you this time. Or, <laughs> oh, you're, you have this spirit on you where I don't know if I believe that was the case. Yeah. Now, as women who have lived through many therapy sessions and, you know, had our own life experiences and really dived into, you know, trauma work and some people have actual, you know, schooling. Yeah. You know, we love books and podcasts and here we are much later realizing, oh my gosh, maybe this person was just having a mental breakdown. Yeah, maybe right. they were having an anxiety attack because this is a very overstimulating situation, you know, that they're put in and people from all walks of life respond differently to stimuli. It was just, well, maybe, you know, maybe they had, maybe they did have depression. Maybe they just needed to talk to someone, you know, or again, going back to trauma that could be a whole slew of things. But yeah, I feel, I feel like now we're seeing, oh, wow, this may not have been a helpful tool. And in some situations, maybe it was, and maybe it was utilized correctly. You know, there I'm sure there were testimonies of that, but that's kind of my perspective of it now, just seeing on the other side, oh wow, could have been used way differently. Yeah, and so. it is like a slap in the face to medicine, therapy, psychiatrists. God created, like I said yesterday, God created mind, body, soul, spirit. They cannot be separated. There's medicine for a reason. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, there, there's psychiatrists, there's a therapist, there's all, all of these wonderful tools. And you can't tell me that things that actually save people's life, like medication or therapy, anything like that, uh, whether it's holistic or whether it's a prescription medication, you can't tell me that all of that is from hell or of the devil and not helpful because so much has literally saved lives and that can become its own conversation. That was something that was very frowned upon was seeking help outside of the ministry. In fact, I know there was there was one really serious conversation or a confession that was made mm. years and years ago and what needed to happen was the person who made this confession confession needed to go to jail. Absolutely. Needed a psychiatrist. Needed some serious help. But the response was, we don't we don't do that. We handle things within the ministry. And to me, I just think what's bright and healthy is to reach out to all of the resources yes. and to have some wisdom. And that's that that is not valued in this organization. And I remember reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score. You're reading that right now. I ended up working for an anti-human trafficking organization for several years. I worked in a safe house with women who had been trafficked or sexually exploited. And we were required, obviously, to have a ridiculous amount of training in order to be with with these residents. I received an enormous amount of healing for myself for the first time as I'm going through all this training and reading about the brain and science and psychology and and the the body keeps the score is an excellent book 
resource. I remember reading that and, and the, the whole book talks about body memory and how your body stores trauma and your body holds on to the past and, and what happens in your brain. And I wept through that book. So many times I had to pause and just cry because I was finally understanding practically, scientifically what was happening to my body and to my brain and finally realizing, oh my gosh, deliverance is not helpful. <laughs> so for me, it was not right. helpful. And for that, for me to be told, for all of us to be told that that was the fix all, like you, like you said it well yesterday, if you can't, not, not one thing fixes everything, mm -hmm. which is so bad. And, and I just know in my personal life and I've heard some of y'all stories, what I've had to wrestle through and fight for, for almost 10 years now, out, now that I've been out. And it's, it has not been easy. And I have felt robbed and I have grieved so much in my life. Yeah, you've been reading that book. So what you've learned a lot, so you and I have had some good conversations because I don't know a lot of people who have read stuff like that. So when you said it, I was like, oh, tell me your thought. But so as far as deliverance and what you've learned and the training you've had, what are your thoughts on that? My husband had an event. He's a veteran um, and he had a post-traumatic episode event is what it's called when they just kind of implode explode. <laughs> And so I'd already been reading the book already. When that happened, that kind of goes into all this. When that happened, I remember thinking to myself, thank God these people are not in my life. Because I could already hear them telling me and blaming me and later found out they have blamed me. They have, uh, I do wear the weight of his trauma responses and just whole breakdown that night of, you should have taken him through deliverance. What were you thinking? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? You didn't pray hard enough. You didn't do the protection enough. Um, it was just the miscarriage stuff all over again. Yeah. But on this side of things, I was more healed and I understood trauma on a much better level. And so, and even in myself and my husband. So for me, it just kind of translates into the, into our lives of like, so for my, deliverance that I've already spoken about with the scratches and everything. I forgot, I remember yesterday that like my eyes went black. At one yeah. point they were telling me, oh, your eyes went black and that's the spirit <laughs> of death and that's how they identified it. And so I'm listening to, because I listened to it and read along. Um, so I'm listening to the book, to the trauma, uh, the body keeps the score. And on the part where they're talking about trauma responses and what it looks like mm -hmm. and what it sounds like and what it'll feel like if it's happening to you. and how you respond to it and what a healthy response looks like. Yeah. And so they said, sometimes you'll have war veterans who their eyes will go black. And I was, I think I was doing dishes and I stopped in my track and I have chills and just my body right now, I'm just like, oh, because it just released me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it wasn't death. Because mm -hmm. even coming out, you struggle with, okay, what was real and what wasn't? Because there were good, there were some like semi-core truths that you that you take away yeah but you literally have to i mean for me i had to go through every single thing yeah and dissect it and and find the meat and spit out the bones all over again because i was already doing that in it but i had to go through it again mm -hmm. and they honestly the whole the whole thing is poison the whole thing is poisonous there's no meat it's all super processed and fake and 
and I was also telling you yesterday, it's a, it's not that it's a healthy organization or an unhealthy organization. It is a purposeful, hurtful, on, like it is on purpose, hurtful. They know what they're doing. They, they just do. Like there's no way they don't know what they're doing. There's a formula, there's, there's patterns. Otherwise you couldn't go back generations and generations and see it and find it. So when I found out there was a whole other like group, it's just like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And to find out, oh, it predates me, so it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. I'm not even in it, so they can't blame me for that. Yeah. Like they do, you know. And we've seen well, you or her. <laughs> we've seen multiple people who have just come out of it, mm-hmm. like this year or last year, and they're hearing our stories and they're like, oh my gosh, so it wasn't just me? Mm-hmm. Like every generation yeah. is going, wait, 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 there's more of you? And and that's shocking to me is when you're in it and, the, and it's a very small group, you still for some reason think like, I'm the first person who caused all of this stuff or I'm the first person who's had to go through this many deliverances. No, there's probably a few hundred of us. Easily. Angela said something right before we started. I feel like we keep having these moments before we push record that we're like, oh my God, that's so good. So you said something that I've never thought about, how about the pastor in deliverance, the lead pastor. Oh yeah, yeah. she never, you would never, she never put herself through deliverance. And that's a red flag if you're a part of a ministry and the leader is not actively putting themselves through the same rituals that they're putting their their members through like mm-hmm. if they are not showing authenticity vulnerability um hey you know i'm you know i mean yes you they don't want to you don't want to like air your dirty laundry but if they're not even holding themselves accountable to to the people who are helping them lead which that was huge there was no accountability mm-hmm. held yep. and i know that because i was like like up there and I had friends who would be be like I'm gonna go over and talk to her about this or you know and I knew for a fact beyond the shadow of a doubt there was no one else holding her accountable she was the you know or or maybe she would say God held her accountable or a family member of hers held her accountable but you also need people who are actually in the organization that you are leading Mm -hmm. to help hold you accountable and that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. That's a huge red flag. If you don't, if you can't pinpoint, identify, and the leader is not open on this is who I, this is who I answer to, this is who I allow to hold me accountable, and they're naming someone who doesn't even live in that area and is not even in the ministry, and so therefore, when they go to that person, they only get that person's side of the story. Like that's not being held accountable. That's right. you telling your side of how you saw things and nobody's there to say, hey, but there's this alternate situation going on that you also need to be aware of and have perspective. So I just think now that I look at it and look back, I was like, there was no accountability and they were not, they were not necessarily, maybe they had gone through deliverance 10 years prior, but it was not an active thing they were going through yet. They were forcing, it was not offered as an option you were forced um sometimes without your will pulled into a room 
yep. and told if you resist this, it's because the devil within you is resisting it. And so you would have to. And you'll thank us later. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you'd have to submit yourself or if you wanted to, to actually be an active part of anything, you'd have to submit yourself to it. And then you just would be told so many times, there's so much wrong with you. We can fix you if you do submit to this. And that's not, that's not how Jesus works. That's not how a healthy organization works. Um, no one, nobody is in forced counseling. You know, you can't force people to accept counseling, accept therapy. And God himself does not force us. In fact, people get more frustrated because God is so not forcing people to do the right thing. God never forces anyone to do the right thing. Um, He actually allows us to do terrible things um, because he gives us choice. And so when you remove the ability of choice and you force people into a situation where they're sitting there and having to vulnerably admit that they have all these wrong things wrong with them in front of a group of people and let this group of people try to cast that out of them. That's just not healthy. Mm-hmm. It's not good. And I haven't seen the fruit of it yet. Yeah. Like I search because we did our, like we went down the list and started seeing like who is just a changed life that has now the theology of what was taught has had a lot of good fruit and benefit. So that's why it's really hard when there's good and bad. So a lot of people have been changed simply by the community aspect of that organization, simply by the theology that was being taught, which was, which was pretty balanced, but they, you, they're the fallout was so much greater, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And then the desire to pin people against each other. That is what I would say is probably the highest, most unhealthy part of that ministry is if you did not, if you did not agree with the leader, then it's as if you disagree with God himself. Yes. And there was no room for open thought or that you could hear something different or that it could be seen from a different perspective or that God could be speaking something different. It had to only be this leader's perspective this leader heard, this leader, and, and everything you saw, you thought, saw, and did had to line up with the theology of this leader. And if it didn't, you were a heretic, and there was no room to ask questions, to challenge, nope. to say you don't agree, to, to battle something out. Like, there was no room for that unless at the very end you had to come in full agreement by the time you were done with the conversation. When you're part of an organization that does that, where you're not allowed to challenge something, have a different perspective, hear something different from God, that's a very control, narcissistic type of leadership that you're under and incredibly insecure. And they may come across as very secure and even be able to teach on what is security and insecurity, but it's, it's very much fear-based when you don't allow someone to challenge your theology. Yeah. Um, as if you have, as if you're the ultimate answer to all of the world's questions because you've discovered it all. That's not. You're only going to get a piece of it. And you're one piece amongst thousands of years of God working through people on the earth. Yeah. So to think that you have figured out those thousands of years and your theology is the only theology that is right at all times and you leave yourself no room for growing into a different perspective. I don't think that's God either, you know? And so I think what would happen, or I I know what would happen is if anyone disagreed with that, 
they, the leader would quote unquote, send the dogs after you. And basically the, it was very systematic. You don't agree with me, therefore I'm going to position everyone around you and let them know that there is something wrong with you, that you're a heretic, that you're a troublemaker, and they are to also reject you too. And so your punishment is full rejection with some sort of title about who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. And until you come completely repentive on your hands and knees, there's no restoration to be had for you. And so it's funny because they preach a gospel that Jesus loves and and there's repentance and restoration with the Father. But yet with them, there is little to no restoration unless there's full and complete submission and humility for something you're not even wrongdoing, which is hearing for yourself from God about what you believe about something. And then they would they would create oh my goodness they did this about even people they didn't even know they would create these grandiose lies and stories um i remember at one point they created a lie about um this old band you know no one under the age of like no one in their 20s knows this band but it's called dc talk (laughs) and this band came and performed and because they have a radio station they kind of hosted this band And the leader said that she overheard one of the members of the band talking about how being in the band was like being in a marriage and there was something about sex with mirrors and something about that. And and that leader probably preached four or five sermons based on that concept, never had them back again, never, um, they were just a bad name. And and I'm thinking, like, where did you get the, like, is there any room for the fact that you might have misunderstood their sentence. Right. Is there any room for the fact that maybe they don't have the same value system as you, and but that that doesn't mean they're all wrong? Mm-hmm. And is it, you know, and so with, with this leader, it was, I will create a story in my head about this person. I will decide the story is true about this person. And then I will demand that everyone else decide that this story is true about this person. And if they ever look at me and say, I'm sorry you feel that way, but that's not my experience, then I will take that person and link them with this person. Yep. You know, it's kind of almost like North Korea and like like what they do to people where it's like, we've created a story about you. Anyone who associates with you is going to be punished along with you. Yes. And so that's how the control happened. That is what a cult does. Yep. Um, If you don't drink the Kool-Aid, if you don't, if you're not in full agreement with the leader, then you're discommunicated from the cult, which has become your home, your tribe, your people. It's the same, like the occult in Waco and all of that. Oh yeah. It's the same concept. Looking back on it now and how systematic they are in it, it's kept them small. Yeah. Um, It's kept their reach very small, fortunately, but their reach has still really greatly affected a lot of people. And I think that's, you know, your title enough. That's, you know, I was asking, you can ask yourself like, why, why these people, right? If this ministry had been around for the last 25 years, why is no one else speaking up? And I think, I think you come to a generation of people where that generation is like enough is enough. And when is someone going to say something? And when is someone going to stop this? And when am I going to quit seeing my friends being hurt by this? And when am I going to say, stop the division and stop the, the separation from people that I really went through a lot of life with and when is enough enough. And 
when can I now speak up? And I think once everyone pursued a lot of mental health, it gave them the, mm -hmm. the strength to say, okay, and not only am I saying no more for me, but now I actually have the strength and the tools to say no more for everybody else too, yes. and to bring light to it. And I think that's the point of all of this is to shed a light on it, to say, look, what is on the outside is not necessarily what's happening on the inside. And if you're involved in anything like this, because they do still exist out there, yep. Yep. if you're involved in that, that A, that's your red flag, get out. It's not going to get any better. And then B, that there is life outside of that. And see that yucky feeling you have on the inside every time you think about what you're involved in. That's that's your body telling you, hey, you need to get out. This is not going to have a happy ending for you. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just decided enough was enough and people needed to hear yeah. what was yes. happening. No, that's mm -hmm. very well mm -hmm. said. Because that's what that's the one word that kept running through my brain when I heard an update of about what is going on to this day. That was the first thing that went through my mind was that is enough. It's enough. And, and you're right, it's not just for me, it's for everybody, it's not just for y'all, it's for everybody. And because there's tragic situations and, and tragedies that have gone on in people's lives, and they have not recovered. And I think that's what breaks my heart the most, is like we're sitting here today because we have fought really hard, and, and I'm not to say others haven't, because we all are completely different and we faced different battles, but for us to sit here today, all five of us have very different stories, very different pasts, but from the same cult, we like I know the wrestle and the struggle and the fight that we have had to, to do and the literal blood, sweat, and tears that have come from it in all these years. And I'm looking at other people who are still trapped when they should be set free with all the deliverance who are still trapped to this day or who have who have just they've had enough of god unfortunately and have swung to this other extreme and again like i completely understand when people walk away from the lord after enduring something like this but it does make me sad because god is a god of connection mm -hmm. and we are taught in religion especially when you're in something like we were in we are taught disconnection yes. and we're taught like you just said like you're excommunicated you are pinned against each other and i think about you know you can say everybody knows that the general oh jesus hung out with sinners <laughs> okay sure but let's make it more intimate let's talk about the 12 disciples that he was with 24 7 yes. for such a long time who were all human who were all different personalities different trades different backgrounds and suddenly all of these men are together all the time doing ministry and you even you even hear in the gospels where they were trying to figure out amongst themselves who was the greatest <laughs> we don't stop and pause in that conversation and think about what would that conversation look like for us i mean we mm -hmm. semi had those conversations because we all wanted to be close to the leader right so we're like oh like Rachel had a special relationship, like, well, I'm special to the leader. And so you think about that with us, but what did that look like with the disciples? And I don't see anywhere in the Bible Jesus going, get out, no, you're done. 
hey, John, you can hang out with James. James is, he's a, he's a sinner. He's a gossip. You can't, or Thomas yes. is a doubter. So guys, like, just don't talk to Thomas for a few days. Like, yeah. you don't ever see that, that that doesn't exist. Or Judas, you know. Or like, yeah. Judas, you know what you're going to do. You know, so that that's just not a thing. And, and that's a good point, even. Jesus knew what Judas was going to do, and yet he was included. I love the phrase, Judas ate too. It's yeah. something I heard one time. And it's popular on social media sites of Judas ate too. There was a spot at the table for him too. And the main difference between Judas and Peter was they both denied Christ in their own way. They both denied him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Peter was repentive. Right. And Judas chose shame. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's like, that's what I just think about so much is Jesus was, is inclusive. He is a God of connection. He, I mean, like you said, he's been doing this for a long time. He's a little unafraid and unintimidated by our humanity and by our fails and our questions. And and so for someone to decide, hey, I've got a, a pill deliverance, it's going to fix everything. And if you want to seek an alternative, well, you're just wrong. Mm -hmm. God's been doing this for a while. He's fine. He, all he cares about is that we get connected with him. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I don't believe that you can say that there's one way to get rid of all your problems so that you can be connected to God. Which that could be an entirely different conversation. But uh, there are two things that I want to go back and touch on for sure on the deliverance piece and the labels and pinning people against each other. One of the things that the leader started doing and then her sidekick and, and, and it's trickled down because that's what happens in leadership mm -hmm. is diagnosing people with uh, mental health as far as schizophrenia or bipolar, depression, uh, DID, which is multiple personality disorder. It's, it's dissociative identity disorder to be specific. The lead pastor who has no credentials None. in mental health, who frowns upon psychiatry, psychology, and and would slap you on the hand, figuratively speaking, for seeing a therapist, for seeking help from a psychiatrist. So again, mental health to be clear, frowned upon. We just we do Jesus and deliverance instead. Is diagnosing people with mental health illnesses mm -hmm. to be delivered up so we have we we know several people who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia mm -hmm. a lot of people they don't know that they're schizophrenic so they'll so you know the leaders i know they'll say oh yeah you you sh uh you show this 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 and none of them are actual symptoms yeah or indicators of schizophrenia or even bipolar yeah it's absolutely awful because yes. they they really believe it though and they and they don't, and they'll say, oh, it's a spirit of schizophrenia. It's yes. a spirit of this. And this is why, because I'm trying to give you an example. A more, a more recent example would be, and it, and it, you're never going to have that happen unless you disagree. Yeah. The moment you disagree, they're going to start, oh, well. Or if you believe something that you've seen, and they're going to say, you didn't really see that. Yeah. They're not going to say that. They're going to say, you know, you've done this before. And we, 
we've been filling it out. You and you already have, and they'll use your what you've given them in confidence yeah. against you. They'll say, "Oh, we have a history. Your whole family has a medical history of that." So they'll pay like honor to it in a sense, and then flip it on you. Yeah. But then, in front of their own like people, like during their sermons, if you will, and teachings and everything. That's not discussed. It's oh well. Okay, just they don't. It's like they don't believe what they're even saying. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're talking about it and they're preaching it. Yep. I mean, you look like you had something to say, Rachel. I can remember one of the first teachings that I sat through on deliverance. Um, it was one of the private meetings that newcomers were called into or whatever. Um, and so it was me and maybe like two other people. And I can remember the leader going through her sermon and her teaching on deliverance and she specifically said that well the the world has labeled these spirits as mental illnesses and they call them chemical imbalances but really they're just spirits and they can be they can be taken care of with deliverance and so you know 18 year old me was like oh okay well that's really cool but then the more i saw and the more i grew and just i became an adult and learned life things okay no it's not a solve everything like deliverance is not that magic pill and that's not to say that god can't deliver people miraculously it's like you were saying like it's their way or no way and that's not always the case, but it's like they write them off as, oh, the world calls them chemical imbalances, but really it's just a spirit. But then on the flip side, they're diagnosing people uh -huh. with yeah. these chemical imbalances yeah. and then trying to cast off those spirits. Like it's, make it make sense. And then the whole, like, they'll say, oh, speak things that, that, uh, that are not as if they are. I'm like, okay, so you're speaking schizophrenia over this person. Hello. And you're, according to your own teaching, you're opening that door for that chemical amount of spirit. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're speaking this thing over this person by saying, oh, well, you have all of these things that you've told us. That's schizophrenia. You're schizophrenic. But then on the flip side, they're trying to cast that off of that person. It's like, well, you can't speak that over them anyways because number one, you're not a psychologist. And number two, like, why would you even want to speak that over someone? According to your own theology and your own belief system, like, why would you want to speak that over someone anyways? So it just doesn't, um, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make logical sense when you look at the patterns of how they do it. And I, that's when you, that's when I see their, parts of their theology to be made on the sand. Like it's, it's rocky. It's not solid where you can say one thing, but then do another. Mm -hmm. You can manipulate people and oh, wow. that's, it's a form of control. Mm -hmm. And yet you're above this reproach, reproach of, right. oh, well, you know, I, I don't have to go through deliverance. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, oh, mm -hmm. my someone over here who might help me out and that's a telltale sign of a cult that's like the core value of cults the control and the manipulation to use the bible or whatever you know spiritual guide you use 
when you use that to your own advantage and you twist things around, I'm very well versed in this because I grew up in these environments. Yeah. When you twist things for your own benefit and control, that's that's not a theology you want to follow. No, and I love like we talked about this before we started recording. You said above reproach. In the context you just used, it was so accurate to this organization because it's like, well, I'm above deliverance. I am above. Yeah. Uh, the law, I'm above oh, yeah. mental health and all these things. I am the uh, one who hears the Lord and I give the message and you do what I say. Mm-hmm. But the definition of above reproach is really just that your character and integrity is such that you cannot be accused. It'd be like somebody saying something ridiculous about one of us and everybody collectively is going, nope, not her. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Because the being above reproach is a character, and they all in the also, and I'm sure some people from that organization might be watching. And <laughs> what they wear is a badge of if anyone calls them a cult or says like or disagrees with them, and and even wants to stand up and say, hey, I don't agree with you. They wear it as a badge of honor. Oh yeah, as an identification that it's quote unquote spiritual warfare. Oh my god! Because we're doing so many things right for the kingdom of God. Right. That if anyone holds us accountable or challenges what we're doing, that's just proof that we're in a spiritual battle and they're from the enemy trying to stop what we're doing. You know, if you said that, yeah. Yeah, and so it's almost like a badge of honor, like, ha, they're calling us a cult. That's because the devil is persecuting us because of the good we're doing in the ministry. When in reality, no, somebody's actually standing up, holding you accountable, saying, hey, some of your behaviors are very cult-ish. The things that you're teaching are not lining up with the Bible. That It's not lining up with just common sense um it's not lining up with even just the science of our our bodies Mm -hmm. um that we all know um now that you know better do better but i i think that what happens now is that when you set yourself so far above any accountability that you're not even accountable to the law and you decide well i'm not accountable you know, are the people in communist countries accountable to the law oh well then no we don't we don't live in that in the atmosphere you know it's like as long as i say it's a go then no one anyone who tells me no is from the enemy i know that when you when you have no accountability to you and you're just you oh my accountability is god (laughs) well god actually sends people to hold you accountable um that's how he works and so they're going to wear this as a badge of honor showing that what that they have they are experiencing spiritual warfare because of all the good they're doing rather than saying wow do we have areas to grow in yeah is there areas when maybe i have a belief system that maybe is being challenged because i'm growing deeper in god and i'm understanding more about god Mm -hmm. and can i allow my peers and those around me that love me to actually speak into what i'm saying and hold me accountable you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or do I just, is it just me? I'm the only one who hears and all of you need. And you are in an atmosphere where you constantly second guess, did you hear right from God? Because there's no way you hear better than they do. Because yeah. they are king and you are simply learning from them. 
-hmm. And if they're not growing you into a place where they're like, I want you to hear so well from God that you challenge my hearing from God, right? then it's a very narcissistic type of leadership. Yeah. And they'll say that. They'll say, oh no, this is a place of learning and growing. However, by to upon myself, the last time I was there, like with this group of people and everything and the leaders, I took it upon myself to give, so I think I, I got a word um, for the leader. And in my mind, and my heart, and I spoke it, I went over it with my husband, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is gonna be, this is gonna be a make or break in our relationship. And how she responds to this will tell me everything I need to know about, and, and I explained to him, this is gonna tell me if they're a cult, their response is gonna tell me if they're a cult or not, mm -hmm. period. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, continue. I remember that. And I went that night and I was already cut off. No one spoke to me mm -hmm. at all. Like I would go up and say, hi, turn around and leave. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> like what, and next person, yeah. like everybody darted away. And what I found out later was nobody was allowed to speak to me because of the word that I'd given. It was considered witchcraft and this crazy outlandish thing. And so I thought, you know, I made sure to let this leader know, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh -huh. And that was that was my own personal thing of, of really God telling me, hey, with, with him telling me without telling me, hey, how she responds to this, if she responds at all, because I'm sure we all have stories where she's never come to us with, hey, so I heard this, you tell me your son. There is no your side. There's only her idea and her version of it. And it could be way off. And a lot of times it is. But it's factual and she has this platform there and she's gonna talk about it and showcase things. Like, it's funny, it's silly. And oh, she did this, she's not okay, she's not healthy. Y'all just stay away from her or you're gonna pick up on her witchcraft. I know you feel bad about it, well, that's just empathy. People feel that way when, when there's witchcraft on them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that's a good point. Of it's it's said there are lots of things that are publicly aired in sermons. So one of the ways that that happens is in a deliverance, like you said, you're you're asked questions or information is, is extracted out of you. And I remember my ex-fiance, I said, I spoke a little bit of this in another podcast. He had just come out with a huge confession. He had cameras up and was watching me. He had stolen my, broken into my house, stolen my panties, big porn problem. I'm coming to the pastors with this information, kind of like, please help me. This is a big deal. And then I'm the one who was pulled into the deliverance room for several hours and was asked very specific questions that, again, my past is very sexual. I have a lot of sexual trauma. So the questions were, um, well, have you ever been sodomized? How many times? Did you like it? Did it feel good? But did you orgasm? Like, you're saying you don't like that, but did you have an orgasm? Well... Yeah. And did you do this? And, the, and there were very specific questions that I had to answer. And if I did not want to answer, then the response was, well, we're just trying to get you free. And God wants things to be brought out into the light. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, and you'll feel free when you say it. 
and, oh, yeah. But that's that re-traumatizing because there was a lot that I... Because they don't have training. Because they don't have training, yeah. no. And even, like you said this yesterday, even a therapist is not going to extract that kind of information mm -hmm. from you. Therapist is going to very carefully um, set things up and create a, a safety net for you to want to offer that if you if you want to. And so I sat there for hours and gave very detailed descriptions about my sexual life that at that point nobody else knew. And mm -hmm. then I was subjected to a deliverance, which like we said yesterday is, um, could be hours long. So it's incredibly exhausting. Now they have all this information. They could sit with, uh, I think they sat with Angela a lot because we were really close. And, but they would sit with somebody and be like, well, did you know this about Liza? Mm -hmm. And now other people know very intimate details about me or vice versa. I know yes. very intimate details about somebody else. And then you could be used in a sermon. And a lot of times you are sitting right there. Yep. And they would just interject. But well, they would give some kind of story or example and be like, Liza knows what that's like, right? Because, and so your stuff was always out there for everyone and mental health wise you know, it is it just it's it's constantly re-traumatizing and constantly keeping you in that cycle of like oh my gosh something's wrong with me and i remember one of my the most abusive ex-boyfriend that i had would sometimes demand sex up to 10 times a day i mean that was like we had sex all the time and i remember saying that to the leader and then it went around to several other people that that's what I like. And that it was a little, Liza's having sex 10 times a day. And I remember that was a thing for a while. Oh. And I was like, I didn't choose that. I, I told you that in a vulnerable state of, I didn't want to, no, no girl wants to have sex 10 times a day. Like that hurts, you know? Like, <laughs> you're like, I'm tired. And I didn't feel like I had a choice. And so, but, but that was part of my reputation at that point was, um, well, Liza, likes that and so then you get incorrect information and so even this weekend all of us being together we're hearing each other tell stories and we're like I didn't know that yeah and we were all pretty close at different times and we're like wait I'm sorry I always thought that this happened and this happened and we're like mm, no because that's what we were told yeah because that's mm -hmm. what we were told like I was told to stay away from Angela and I ended up working with her yeah <laughs> And I like I learned very quickly. Okay, she's not who they say she is. No. She's actually a great worker. She has mm -hmm. excellent management skills. Like mm -hmm. absolutely impeccable, almost on a perfectionist level, but without the drive of that. Like it, it just comes natural. Mm -hmm. And it's it was well. Wild I think in their me. organization, they request a lot of people to volunteer yes. in their free time. And they don't pay people to do any yeah. work that happens, and they call it serving Jesus in the ministry. Mm -hmm. um, or they'll say you can live here for X amount of rent, and that'll that'll be your pay for volunteer. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a whole different level of control. But yeah. you know, the Bible is pretty clear. It says like the the ox is deserves his feed every day, and so like it just comes to the point where they they expect so much. And then they don't want to compensate for what they expect. And then, you know, it just becomes, and if you speak up against it and say, hey, I think maybe we should like see if we can pay people or if we can't, then maybe you have to do it. 
if you own it, if you're the owner and you can't pay people, then you're the one working. Yes. And that just wasn't an option. Yeah. I remember that being a thing, a conversation at one point when you left and you could come back. And I thought, oh, great, awesome. Angela's back. Because at that point, you were the only person who'd gone out, who'd come out of it, and you remained extremely honest and vulnerable with it. And you would just, you'd have the hard conversations that nobody And I remember at that point feeling super used from the group. And there's no other word for it, just very used and abused. But the way I was in relationships with men, just, and so it's a very familiar, gross feeling that I was feeling from them. And like, I finally realized and seen my place with them. And it just, it was just a very used place. And so I remember reaching out to you and asking you, did, have you, did you ever feel used? Did you ever use you? Yeah, amongst, <laughs> amongst majority of people. Yeah. Actually, a lot of people question. who are in the living room with us right now, common things. Yeah. They felt used. Like when, you're not there. What they really yeah. wanted was relationship. Yeah. And they ended up being used to just <laughs> fulfill whatever the mission of the organization was. Mm -hmm. And once that was fulfilled, there was no relationship left to be had. Right. So, right. Yeah. And then I, I know we need to wrap up here. This is this has been a good podcast. I like this one. Well, I like all of them. But um, I guess in the on the relationship note, you know, one thing that has, is always said in that organization is people who leave the organization not on good terms. Yeah. Don't have a good life. They don't have a good outcome. And we're always point like I, I remember even when I was in there were older people that they would pull up or that they would bring up and yeah. and talk about how worldly they were were now. I remember one girl, I don't even know her name. And I remember them pulling up her pictures on the computer and I and I was thinking she's beautiful. And they were like, look at her, she's a worldly model and oh, oh my god. god. And, and so those who leave not on good terms, those who leave and do something that the leader didn't want them to do, their lives are broken and horrible and whatever. What I love though about us is we've all, all five of us, have experienced a lot of trauma specifically with men, specifically with abusive relationships, and or, or, or just, I mean, abusive relationships in that organization, but we've all had male abuse. We are now not only do we well in life in general with our jobs and we like ourselves and we've we've done the therapy and we've done the work but we a lot of us are blessed with husbands who really have come along and and unfortunately and unfortunately have had to do a lot of undoing for what we have thought and believed based on the relationships that we held whether they were male or female in that organization like i look around all of our husbands and i'm just like they are absolute gifts from god they are heaven sent and i think about the men who are still there in that organization who the the men who are i mean my ex-fiance is like up there he's kind of like, he's the main man at this point and knowing what he did to me, knowing what he's done to several other women, and he's held with such a high regard. And I look at my husband now, and I'm like, oh, God, thank you. Right? Thank you. And I look yeah. at y'all's husbands now, and I'm like, yes. So that is so untrue. And I say all of that, one, to just give a shout out to our husbands, but two, there may be a lot of people out there, listeners out there, who have been told, based on your past, 
um, you may never get married or you may never have good healthy relationships or you know, whatever and maybe maybe you haven't believed that certain things in a relationship romantically or a friendship are an option however that is not true and God is a, God is a life-giving God and despite whatever it is your past hold God always wants to bless his people and he always wants to give gifts that are redemptive and healing and I just believe that our husbands are absolutely a redemptive healing gift and I just I find it ironic even that we can all sit here in the same town where we've all experienced a ridiculous amount of trauma and we can come here completely different women who are very strong who have done a lot of work who have wrestled with the Lord and have settled ourselves with the Lord and we have these wonderful families and marriages and so I'm proud of y'all. Thank y'all for doing this with me. And that's a wrap on the Enough Series Roundtable Conversation with myself, Angela, Amanda, Rachel, and Hannah. I want to give a shout out to these ladies one more time for being so brave and so bold to have this conversation. We are just five women out of many people who have left this cult. And unfortunately, many people leave traumatized and even worse, they are still traumatized today. Many people have also left the church and left their relationship with God behind because of their experience in this cult, which is understandable, but in my opinion, is also tragic. It makes me really sad when God's character is misrepresented by the church and by organizations like this one. We are here to tell our story. We are here to tell the truth. We are also here to bring exposure to cults like this. This cult we were involved in was so small, but I know for a fact that there are many other cults all over the world, both small and large, and many women around the world can relate to stories like ours. If you have a story you would like to share, if you have questions that you would like to ask, please feel free to reach out on the Warriors Community Instagram page. Send us a private message. We would love to chat with you. We would love to pray with you. And we would love to answer any questions you may have. If you would like further resources, you can click on the show description and you will find links to Amazon that will give you books that I have found extremely helpful in my journey and have been really helpful in other people's journey. Please feel free to check those out. This is not the end of the Enough series. This is only the end of this roundtable conversation with the five of us. We have many more conversations to be had, and we look forward to sharing them with you. Thank you for listening.